0: Alright, so we're in Judges chapter 17, and something I need to point out before we start going through this passage, in the book of Judges, of course, we all know where we are in history. You've got you know Genesis through Deuteronomy, you've got Moses, brings the children of Israel out of Egypt. Then when you go into Joshua, you have it when Joshua takes over, they you know, they cross over Jordan, they go into the promised land. And then they have that, you know, they serve the Lord all the days of Joshua. All the elders that lived out Joshua, they serve the Lord then. But then, later on, another generation rises up. They get away from the Lord. Israel gets in trouble. And then God sends them a judge or a deliverer who gets them out of trouble. They serve the Lord for a while. And then what do they do? They go back to backsliding again. And they get in trouble again. And we see that over and over again in the book of Judges. To the point gets pretty frustrating, doesn't it? But then when we get to chapter 17, before that is the story of Samson. Everybody knows the story of Samson. And how uh, they had been in captivity for a long time, or not fully captivity, but oppressed by the Philistines for a very long time. Samson comes, delivers them again, and then they have some good times again. But now what we're seeing here in chapter 17, 18, and 19, and we're not going to even go to chapter 19 at all night, is this, these chapters are basically just showing us how bad things were getting in Israel before it ends up going into 1 Samuel where things transition, things change to where we see kings now being involved. So basically the story, when you read it by itself, it just seems like kind of a random story. It's like, and what is the point of this story? But if you actually pay close attention, you look at the story, what we are seeing here is just a great deal of wickedness. This is just highlighting what it was like in Israel. For example, Judges chapter 19, is a very famous passage where a Levite takes a concubine. And y'all remember that story? You have the Sodomites, they want to go and rape these men again, kind of like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah with Lot. And then the guy gives his concubine, because, a little lesson here, ladies, the guy who doesn't won't marry you doesn't care for you. Yes, and what does he do? He delivers, delivers over these Sodomites, they abuse her all night, she ends up dying, he cuts his body, sends it all the 12 tribes to visit. And you're just like, why is the story in the Bible? It's showing how wicked things got in Israel, just how bad they were doing, and that's what we're seeing here. So this isn't just a random story. This is it's, the Bible's telling us the story for a reason. But there's also, and the, Bible, the New Testament tells us this: these stories are there for our admonition. We're supposed to learn from these things because you know history tends to repeat itself. Right. And I think this passage is a great there's a, is a great illustration of what we are seeing today with just modern preachers in general. You know, especially in other religions, but you know the Baptists are no exception right. in this area. And the title is just sell out preachers. All right. And I, you know, today's Super Bowl Sunday, and every year's Super Bowl Sunday, you got all these pastors, what are we going to do? You know, because nobody's going to come to church on Super Bowl night, so what are they doing? They're, you know, canceling their services, or, you know, they'll... I'm not against changing a service time... You know, sometimes there's a need to, but really, football, <laughs> you know, Super Bowl, that that bit of a priority. But you're going to move it for a football game? I, I think that's kind of weird. I don't think I don't think we ought to do. I don't think that's something that we ought to do. But these guys do it. it. Why? Because they're they're in it for filthy lucre. They're sellouts. They're just giving the people what they want. They are not leaders. They are not you know standing up. They're not just setting the example. They are just followers following whoever's going to grease their phone. Whoever's just going to give them some money. That's what they're doing. And this guy that we see right here in this story is a great example. As we go through chapter 17 and 18. So let's look and let's see some... Let, you know, let's, get this, let's learn this story, but let's get the modern application we can make in our lives and see how we're seeing this repeat itself today. So first off, in verse 1, it says, And there was a man of Mount Ephraim, whose name was Micah. And he said unto his mother... The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from me, about which thou cursest, and spake of also mine ears, Behold, the silver is with me, and I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my son. And when he had restored the eleven hundred shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I have only dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son, to make a graven image, and a old image. Now therefore I will restore it unto thee. Yet he restored the money unto his mother and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder who made thereof a graven image and a molten image and they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a house of God and made an ephod and teraphim and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, hopefully you notice several things wrong with this passage. Now, first off, When you read this, if you're not paying attention or if you're just somebody that's just ignorant with the Bible, you could look at this and say, you know, these seem like good people here. I mean, they're dedicating these things to the Lord. You know, she's saying that the Lord is with you. I mean, they're talking real spiritual here, aren't they? But what are they talking about? They're talking about making idols. They're talking about making molten images. So you say, but listen to how religious these people sound. I mean, this guy, he's doing the best he can. I mean, you know, he's he's wanting to worship the Lord. They're talking about the Lord. I'm sure it's the same Lord that we serve. And you know, he you know he goes and he's consecrating his sons to be priests. Isn't this a wonderful thing? And the answer is no, it's not a wonderful thing. This is a terrible thing. And that's why it says in there too. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Okay, nobody has the right to just go and just because they want to, because they said they're dedicated toward making multiple images. There's a very specific command against making molten images. And not only was there a very specific command against that, but who told this guy he gets to consecrate his sons to be priests? The Bible's very clear who the priests were supposed to be. They were supposed to be from the tribe of Levi. Mm -hmm. So this guy here is doing his own thing. And and, And, you know, but when you read it and when you're listening to these people talk, doesn't it sound like they're Following the Lord doesn't it sound like they love the Lord? And isn't that what we see with a lot of religious people today? Boy, don't they talk a real spiritual game? Yes, sir. Boy, I mean they sound so sincere. I mean they're talking about the Lord, you know, they're you know they're you know they, they've got the lingo down, but when you look at what they're actually doing, does it line up with what the scriptures say? Not at all. And then if you dare to bring that up, you know, then you're a legalist. And, you know, but I think we ought to bring it up. He wasn't supposed to make making a molten image. I do believe, it said, thou nah, shalt not make it any graven image. Yep, right. I do believe God said the Levites, were, or the priests, were supposed to be from the tribe of Levi, and this guy's just dedicating his own sons, and I don't even believe this man was a Jew. I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure uh, I think there's some good evidence that this guy was not a Jew. It mentions he was the man from Mount Ephraim, but this, uh, you know, that doesn't mean necessarily that he was a Jew, I think, I think there's some evidence of that we'll see here in a little bit. I, I could possibly be wrong on that. Either way, it doesn't matter. This guy had no business telling his sons. The thing, too, you've got to understand about Mount Ephraim, this is the northern part of Israel. Okay, The Levites, they were supposed to dwell in Judah or in Jerusalem, which was the southern part of Israel. That's where the Levites were actually supposed to be. And... This guy's up in Mount Ephraim. This is not where these things are supposed to go on. This is not what God had called for. The sacrifices and all those things that were supposed to be done in Jerusalem. But this guy wants to do it where he's at, you know what? Because it's a little more convenient. And isn't what most of what we're seeing with churches today all about convenience? You know, it's not about what's right, it's not even about what's best. It's what's convenient. You know, let's just appease everybody. Let's give everybody what they want. And so this guy, you know, he's wanting to do his own thing, you know, and he knows. That it's supposed to be a Levi that's a priest or a Jew, but he doesn't have any, so he just consecrates his own sons. He's just, I mean, who gave this guy the power of reign? Priest. But he just doesn't. And so, you know, and this reminds me of our country, because as a whole, the United States is still very religious, but the average churchgoer today has no interest in following the Bible. And don't you experience that all the time with family that are religious, with coworkers that are religious? When you want to start, maybe you bring something up that's wrong with their church or their religion, and what do you, what do we tend to do? We tend to quote the Bible, don't we? Mm -hmm. And then they just look at you like, so? (laughs) They don't care, do they? I mean, look how many churches allow homosexuality and think that that's okay. And then what do we do? Um, have you ever read Leviticus 20.13? Have you ever read Leviticus 18.20? Have you ever read what the Bible says? Have you ever read Romans 1? And they just, they look at you like, who cares? They understand these people, they, have, they are creating religions that are just following the lust of their own flesh. They are creating a God made in their own image, just like this man is making his own whole image. I'll, I'll decide what God looks like. Right. This is what I think God looks like. This is what I think religion is. And, and these people, it's foreign to us, because we do. We believe we ought to follow the Bible. We believe right. the Bible is the final authority. That's drilled in our heads. But just understand, just because somebody talks religious and talks a good game, it doesn't mean they give a rip about the Bible. And most people don't. Most religious people, they could care less about what the Bible says, except for Matthew 7-1, only the first few words. They, they, they like that, but that's not it. And so, this man Micah, he may have been a sincere guy, but what he was doing was clearly wrong, and somebody should rebuked him. And there was not, and this Levite that we see in this story, he should have told him the truth, because look what it says in verse 7. Now notice this. And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. Now, I could be missing something here. I don't see how he was a Levite if he was from Judah. He's from, he didn't just live in Bethlehem, Judah, which is where they were supposed to be in the southern, down in the southern kingdom, but he was from the family of Judah. And he's a Levite. So understand, this is here because, this, we don't go to this passage to prove people from other tribes to be Levites too, because in this passage they're doing everything wrong. They're doing everything against what God said to do. So I don't understand how this man was from the family of Judah and was a Levite at the same time, but you know the typical preacher that just goes with the flow and turns the church into a circus is typically a guy you look at and say, how did that guy get ordained? But who, who ordained that guy? What, what preacher, what group of preachers laid hands on that man and gave him, what, church, what people put him as the pastor of their church? Have you ever been there before? To see that, like, who gave that guy a position? And truth is, you know who gave it to him? People who had no right to. People who had no interest in what the Word of God says. People who could care less what the qualifications of a bishop are. People who just want somebody that will go along with what they've already decided that they like. And we do. We constantly scratch our heads when we see these preachers out there. We say, who ordained these priests? All right. There's no doubt they have no business in that position. This guy had no business being a priest, being a Levite, yet somebody gave that role to him. Somebody gave a man who was not qualified the role of a Levite, thus legitimizing him to this man Micah, who was probably a sincere guy, but was just off by a mile, and somebody needed to correct him. And you know, there's a lot of religious people out there, sincere. You know, they want to do the right thing, They're doing the best they can, but nobody ever comes along and corrects them. Nobody ever comes along and says, thus saith the Lord. Nobody ever comes along and opens the scripture. What do they do? They just give them what they want, because they want the money. And some of these people would probably listen if somebody actually just told them the truth, but you can never count on these guys. You can never count on these unqualified people. You can never count on these self-proclaimed preachers. You can't count on them. You can't count on them just going after the filthy lucas. You can't just count on them going with the flow. And that's exactly what we're going to see with this Levite that he is. And so, notice how it mentions how he came to Mount Ephraim to the house of Micah as he journeyed. Now, if this man was a Levite, then why wasn't he in Jerusalem? His place was in Jerusalem. That's where he was supposed to be. That's where he was supposed to work. Verse 9 says, And Micah said unto him, Whence comes thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem Judah, and I go to sojourn, where I may find a place. Now, why is he doing this? See, this is what people don't realize, too. Why is he looking for a place? Why is he looking for a land? You know, Israel's still kind of conquering the land and everything during this time, but remember what portion the Levites had? They didn't have a portion. The Lord was their portion. The Levites were not to inherit the land. That was for the other tribes. And what's this guy doing? He's out there trying to possess the land for himself. Which was not God's will. He was not doing what he was called, what he was supposed to be in. and he, he was in a position he wasn't even supposed to be in. So this guy, he's, he's playing both sides. He's wrong, he, he's a fraud. And so it says, And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest, and I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year, and a suit of apparel, and thy victuals. So the Levite went in, and the Levite was content to dwell with the man. And the young man was unto him as one of his sons. So, man, he's like, you're going to pay me? Yeah. Come on, man. I'm going get the silver, I'm getting get the apparel, I've got a nice place to stay. I'm going to get treated like one of your sons. Wonderful. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter to a lot of preachers out there about the qualifications of a bishop. Somebody comes along and offers them a job, they'll take it. And I've seen that many times in my life. People who had no position, or no no they were they were in no position to take a position, but there's a church that's desperate and they offer a position. What do they do? I'll take it? Yeah, they're, they're gonna pay the bills, I'm in. And they'll they'll throw the word of God out so fast to anybody that comes along and just offers, write them a check. And that's exactly what this guy did. So verse um well, turn over to Titus chapter one, verse seven. You know, what is the motivation here? Well, the motivation for the false prophets during that day is the same motivation for the false, false prophets in Paul's day, and the same motivation for the false prophets today. And it says in the First or in Titus one seven, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not too angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. Holding fast the faithful words he has been taught, he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. We're supposed to be changing people's minds. We're not supposed to be changing our minds. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they have the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. That's the motivation yeah. for many of these preachers today. is the <laughs> filthy lucre We're constantly warning us that, and there's no doubt, it's right there in the story, this guy was motivated by the money. He was motivated by the filthy lucre. That's how all these people are. So in verse 12, it says that Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest, and was in the house of Micah. Now remember, Micah was in no position to do this, but notice how the Levite gladly accepted it. You know, he's like, yeah, you know, hey, you're going to pay me the money? You're going to give me what I want, you're in no position to do it, but I'll gladly take it. You know, kind of like Adam Fanning. he gladly took that, you know, uh, ordination from his congregation Hey, you know, a few months ago it wasn't right for him to do that, but then as soon as the wind shifts, and as soon as somebody comes along, hey, you know, we want you to do it. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll gladly take it. No, nothing changed, folks. It didn't matter that they were in no position to give it to him. You know, bring it. That, that's how people are who are motivated by filthy Luke, who have no principles, and say, you know what? I'm not going to take it this way. This isn't the way it's supposed to work. It says, this isn't what I've been working for. This isn't what the Bible prescribed. I'm not going to just change the rules as I go. But you can just count on that kind of thing going on with false prophets. And so look at what it says in verse 13. That said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. Now, folks. Doesn't it seem like Micah's sincere here? Isn't he talking pretty spiritual right here? Does it look like he's trying to obtain favor of the Lord right here? I think he is. And you know, I think a lot of people in these bad churches that are in this area, I think are like Micah. I think they want to serve the Lord. You know, they, they have a desire to be spiritual and to please God. But nobody's telling them the truth. And not only that... When, then finally when somebody like us comes along and tells them the truth, you know what they just do? They end up comparing us to their preacher. Well, that's not what our preacher says. You know, that's because your pastor's a fraud. Your pastor's in it for filthy lucre. And, you know, and, he, and, and these people are confused. You know, They're more likely to believe. And it, it is, it's natural for us to want to believe the guy who's telling us what we want to hear. And that's going along with our flesh. Even though, nobody's gonna say, I wanna be lied to. You know, I wanna find a church where I can go, and the preacher is gonna lead me on a smooth path to hell. Nobody says that. Okay? But isn't it in our flesh to just wanna go along with that which is fleshly, that which is convenient, that's what, that which sounds good? That is important to our flesh. But that doesn't mean, you know, deep down, we just wanna to go to hell. That, that's, not, that's not how it is. But whenever people are on the wrong way, we are supposed to correct them. We are supposed to reprove. We are supposed to rebuke. That's why we go out souling, We're trying to correct people. There's people that they want to go to heaven. Most people, we ask them, do you know if you're going to heaven? What do they always say? Well, I hope so. I think they, I think they want to go to heaven. But unfortunately, they've got a phony for a pastor who's telling them the wrong way to heaven. Who's telling them what they want to hear, and they need somebody who loves them more than they love money, who will say, "Hey, this isn't right. What, what you're trying to do, this isn't going to work. What you're trying to do, this is not the, this is not the gospel." Somebody needs to step up and do that. And I think, I think, had this been a legitimate guy, I think he'd have done that. Well, man, I can't be your priest. You know, you can't just contribute to be your priest. You know, we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, I'm supposed to be, but this guy was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He wasn't even supposed to be there, and he, went because of, and he was a bad guy, and so he was just, you know, this Micah, he was easy prey for, for this guy. Somebody needed to tell him the truth. And somebody needs to tell these people out in this community the truth. There are. You know, we've got all these people in this new IV movement that are looking for excuses to just reprobate everybody. You know, and just reprobate every Catholic and Methodist and just everybody's a reprobate. It's like, you know, there's a lot of people in these religions that are just deceived. Somebody needs to come along and love them enough to tell them the truth, because and I can promise you, their preachers aren't going to tell them the truth. Because they are they're in it for the filthy lucre. The Bible warned us about that. Any preacher that's preaching a work salvation is in it for the filthy lucre. The Bible says their God is their belly. Their glory is in their shame. They're glorying in their life as if though it were something that would please God. As if their works were something that would be acceptable to God. They ought to be ashamed of their works. But they are. They're preaching this junk because it goes with the flesh. It's what these people want to hear. And it's a guaranteed way they can continue to get their paycheck. And these people, these preachers, they do not love their people. They love themselves. There's no doubt about that. The Bible's very clear on that. And so... Here we have many people all over this community are just like Mike. Obviously, they don't have the preachers in their house, you know, like this guy did. But they are; these preachers are a part of their lives. They depend on these guys. They depend on these priests. You've got these people; they're desperate. You know, they're paying that priest because they need him there. You know, when they're on their deathbed to come and give them their last rites. You know, they, they need him there to do their funeral for them so he can pray them out of purgatory, pray him into heaven, and do all this hocus-pocus witchcraft stuff on them to make sure they go to heaven. And it's not going to help. It's not going to work. And they were sincere, well-meaning people. But nobody loved them enough to tell the truth. And you can always count on these preachers to not do that. So now let's go to chapter 18. And let's see if this Levite ends up helping out Micah. See if he ends up doing any good. So it says in verse 1, In those days there was no king in Israel. And in those days the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in. For unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. And the children of Dan sent out their family, five men from their coast, the men of valor, from Zorah and from Eshbaal, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said unto them, Go search the land. And when they had come to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, they lodge there. So right here we see they haven't possessed all that land yet. They're still doing it. Dan's still trying to get the inheritance. And one thing you'll see constantly mentioned in the Bible, and I hope I get this right as far as the direction is exactly right, but you'll always say that it'll say, even from Dan unto Beersheba. Okay? And that's what because Dan they received the northernmost inheritance, you know, and Beersheba was like the southern, and that the city was called Dan, and then the southernmost was called Beersheba. So that's why when they're saying from Dan to Beersheba, it would be like if I said, you know, from California to New York or something like that. You know, just across the whole country is basically what that's saying. So they're still trying to possess the land, and Dan's trying to get an inheritance. And this Levite and trying to get there before them. Once again, wasn't supposed to be looking for an inheritance for himself. That wasn't what God had for him, if he was a legitimate Levite. And if he was from Judah, which he was, he should have been down in Judah. Where they had already possessed the land with the rest of his family. But this guy's doing his own thing. Okay? He's doing his own thing. And then verse 3 So they come to the house of Micah, they lodge there. And it says, when they were by the house of Micah, they knew the voice of the young man, the Levite. And they turned him thither and said unto him, Who brought thee hither? And what makest thou in this place? And what hast thou here? Even Dan, he's Dan, why are you up here? This isn't where you belong. And he said unto them, Thus and thus with Mike with me, and he hath hired me, and I am his priest. Man, this guy's paying me to be his priest. You know, I'm doing good. He's treating me like one of his own sons. You know, and Mike, I mean, he loves me. I'm like his good luck charm. He's thinking God's going to bless him because he's got a Levite. He's like the Baptist preachers who are always doing all they can to bless a Jew, thinking that's going to get him some extra money in their bank account. <laughs> you know, using yeah, Christians. Everybody's using Jews as good luck charms. Right? Everybody thinks that's just going to help them. And that's what this guy was doing. He was he was the original Zionist Baptist out there. And so he says, verse 5, And they said unto him, Ask counsel, we praise you, God, that we may know whether our way which we go shall be prosperous. And the priest said unto them, Go in peace before the Lord is your way wherein ye go. And I think this is interesting too, because this guy didn't even ask the Lord. He just doesn't. Okay? Listen, I challenge you, you go to any any of these phony preachers in this town and just see if you can get them to say anything negative to you. you know, there's like all these positive only guys. I'd like to see Joel Osteen curse somebody. For, you know, just one person. He the guy can't even curse a homo. I mean he's just, you know, just it's all positive no matter what. You know, Joyce Meyer, God's not mad at you. That is so unbiblical, that is so wrong, that is such a lie. But isn't that how these people are? You know, if she wrote a book called God is Mad at you, do you think she'd have made as much money? No. She says, God is not mad at you. telling everybody what they want to hear, and what you're doing, just leave more people to hell. That's the way all the false prophets are. And she's another example of who gave her the authority to be a preacher. Right. Because you and I, we just can't get past this part of the Bible. So the husband do not want to lie. You know, we just can't get past that verse in the Bible that says women ought to keep silent in the church and not be serve authority over man. We just can't get over that for some reason. Right. You know? It's because we actually care about the law of God. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you think people like her care? you think she gives a rip? No. She's making the big bucks, so she's going to keep doing it. Right. And it's what a lot of people want to hear. Because, you know, nobody wants to get accused of being a bigot. Nobody wants to be accused of being sexist. So, you know, they're, they're going to go along with that and just disregard, because, again, most people don't care what the Bible says. And the false prophets don't care what the Bible said. This Levite didn't care what the Bible said. And the, and so the tribe of Dan here, they're asking if he's going to be prosperous Yeah, you're going to be great. So, verse 7, it says, Then the five men departed and became the laish and saw the people that were therein, how they looked careless after the manner of the Zidonians, quiet and secure. And there was no magistrate in the land that might put them to shame in anything, and they were far from the Zidonians, and had no business with any man. And they came unto their brethren, Zorah and Ashtay, all their brethren, said unto them, What say ye? And they said, Arise, and we may go up against them. For we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. And, and are ye still? Be not slothful to go, and enter to possess the land. Now I do want to mention that we do see many great examples and many great battles, how they would go and just defeat these people. It was always a miraculous victory. However, this was not a miraculous victory. These people, they just started living this carefree life, just let no magistrate, nobody put them to shame for anything, nobody making anybody feel bad. Not like how the Bible says that nobody's putting them to shame for anything. There's some stuff we ought to be ashamed of. There are some things that are, you know, people should get publicly shamed and humiliated when they do them. But we don't do that thing. You know? We don't put anybody in stocks out in the town square. <coughs> I think we ought to do that. Right. I think that would be great. You know, you get some of these teenagers out there, yep. shoplifting and stuff, these little penny thieves, you know what, let's put them in stocks for a day. <laughs> and let everybody come out and look at them. And I, uh, that's terrible, you know. that You, know, you don't know how that will affect them. I know how it will affect them. They're not going to want to steal anymore. Right. At least not in this town. But, you know, we don't put anybody to shame for anything, and we wonder why... Nothing ever gets better. I believe very strongly in humiliate to rehabilitate. Now, that's my philosophy. Humiliate to rehabilitate, I think, it's a good thing. This town could have used it because they got beat by a wicked group of people. Because they were just more wicked than they were. So this, this was not a miraculous victory that they get right here. This was a, this was an easy people that pretty much anybody could have defeated. And so it says, and they came with... Um, Oh, lost my spot. I think verse eight. And they came to their brethren to Zorah and and their brethren said to them, What say ye? And they said, or, Oh, wait, we are good. Right verse 10. So when we go, or when ye go, ye shall come unto a people secure, into a large land, for God hath given it into your hands, a place where there is no want of anything that is in the earth. And there went from thence of the family of the Danites, out of Zorah and out of Eshdale, six hundred men appointed with a weapon of war. And they went up and pitched in kirjath in Judah, Wherefore they called that place Mehadehaden unto this day, behold is in Kyrgyz-Jerim. and they passed thence unto Mount Ephraim and came into the house of Micah. Then answered the five men that went into spy of the country of Laish and said unto their brethren, Do ye know that there is in these houses an Ephod and a Teraphim, and a graven and a graven image, and a molten image? Now consider what ye have to do. So all right, these guys are good, right? They're seeing hey, this is wicked, what they've got, right? Is that what they're doing? So, man, they've got a pair of them. They've got a you know, molten image. You know, this this is bad, right? Are they doing right trying to cleanse the land here? Of what's going on? Let's see what happens. So then they turned through the word and came to the house of the young man, the Levite, even unto the house of Micah, and saluted him. And the 600 men, appointed with their weapons of war, which were the children of Dan, stood by the entering of the gate. And the five men... That went to spy out the land went up, and came in thither, and took the graven image, and the ephod, and the teraphim, and the molten image, and the priest stood in the entering of the gate with the six hundred men that were appointed with weapons of war. And they went to Micah's house, and fetched the carved image, and the ephod, and the teraphim, and the molten image. Then said the priest unto them, What do ye? And they said unto him, Hold thy peace, lay thy hand upon thy mouth, and go with us, and be to us a father and a priest. It is better for thee to be a priest under the house of one man, or that be a priest under the tribe and family in Israel. And that's why I believe this man wasn't even of Israel, because it's saying it's better if you're a priest to us, because we're the family of Israel. So you know, you'd be better off doing that, because we're the good luck charms. Do you want to you know, be his good luck charm, or do you want to be a priest for a bunch of good luck charms yourself? You can yourself. That's kind of what they're thinking. And it says, And the priest's heart was glad. And he took the ephod, the teraphim, the graven image, and went in the midst of the people. So what happens here? They just come, and they don't take all these things so they just want to get rid of them. No, we want this for ourselves. You know, we want to have our own priest for ourselves. And obviously, they didn't care about the true God, otherwise they wouldn't be taking this graven image. Obviously, if they're going to be serving their own God and doing their own thing, they're not going to get anything from the the real Levites that were down in Jerusalem, so they're doing their own thing. And notice, I love what they said to this man. So here, he first he's standing there. He has an opportunity to rebuke them and to say something to them. But they said on him, Hold thy peace, lay thy hand upon thy mouth. And isn't that what's going on in a lot of these churches today? They're basically telling the preachers, Hey, we want you to be our preacher, but shut up. <laughs> you know, be our preacher, but you know what? Don't tell us what to do. And that goes on in Baptist churches too where you'll have these churches, they lose their pastor and then the deacon board kind of takes over and then what do they do? They want to hire a pastor and then they want to tell that pastor what to preach. They want to tell that pastor everything you can do. They want, to, they want to run that pastor. They basically tell that pastor, "Be are a pastor, but you know what? Cover your mouth. Don't say anything that we don't want to hear. And because this group from Dan, they were also a wicked people even though they were a visual, They were very wicked. The tribe of Dan never did anything good. We'll say a little more about that here in a little bit. But I think it's interesting how he's told to cover his mouth. And you know the truth is, if you want to be successful when it comes to making money and being a big shot in the world, you know what's the best thing to do? Shut your mouth. In other words, just don't say anything they don't want to hear. They're saying, shut your mouth and just go along with us. You know what? You're better off being with us, with them. We've got more in number. you got one family here. you got one house. Where there's 600 of us, and we want you to be our priest. And so what does that guy do? All right, I'll see you later. And with gladness, he goes with these men. He goes to the bigger crowd. He goes to to the bigger church, you could say. And that's another very common thing. A lot of pastors that are in churches today, and these churches are just a stepping stone for them. If they're stepping stone to get to this big time. Now I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go take this church for a little bit, and then you know, I can get that going, make a name for myself, and then I can get that bigger church. Okay, because I want to have that big church, I want to be that big name. It's nothing more than a stepping stone for them. And I'm not saying God can never move a pastor somewhere else or to a bigger church, but a pastor should no pastor should ever take a church and just look at it as a stepping stone. No. That is not right. You ought to go where God calls you to go, and you ought to stay there until God calls you to leave. And, you know, we don't just need to go chasing fame, chasing numbers, chasing the big money. That's not what it's about. But it is with the false prophets. It was was with this guy, because he was. He was about the money. He was about the filthy lucre. And it was obvious from day one. Micah should have understood this, but Micah didn't know, because nobody ever taught Micah that people from Judah weren't supposed to be priests. Nobody taught Micah that the priests were supposed to be down in Jerusalem. Nobody taught Micah that you're not supposed to make any graven images. Nobody taught him any of these things. Why? Like, because he didn't have a real preacher in his life. This guy was a fraud, and there's many people out there, they have preachers in their life, but they're frauds. They're, they're, they're no good, they're in for filthy lucre, and that these, these people don't even realize that they will sell you out as soon as the next person comes along with just a little more money, bigger paycheck, better benefits, whatever, they're gone. They're done for. That is wicked. The false prophet is never loyal to the truth, and he will gladly close his mouth if the price is right. You know, he he could have said, hey guys, this isn't right. Yeah, I understand graven images are bad, but it was his graven image. Okay? and It's wrong. You know, we shouldn't take anybody's stuff, okay? Even if stealing's bad, even even if you go steal somebody's beer, Right, that's bad, right? Okay? I understand here that, you know, it's really bad if you steal it and you drink it, okay? But even if you steal it just to throw it away, that's bad, okay? You know, don't go, don't go stealing. I don't think, I don't know how many years that guy got in prison for stealing the fag flag in that one church. You know, that was terrible, he should have got, but you know, you, you can't do that either, folks. You can't steal people's property. Even if it's something that they shouldn't have, don't go in through town stealing fag flags from people's houses, okay? <laughs> I wish, I wish you could. If I could find biblical justification for it, I'd be doing it. I'd be egging their houses. If I could find biblical justification for it, but I can't really do that. So this guy, he just doesn't care. He has no, no desire to do right. So it says in verse 21, So they turned and departed and put the little ones and the cattle and the cares before them. And when they were a good way from the house of Micah, the men that were in the houses near to Micah's house were gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. And they cried to the children of Dan and they turned their faces and said unto Micah, What aileth thee that thou comest with such a company? And he said, He have taken away my gods which I made, and the priests, and he are gone away, and what have I more? And what is this that he say to me? What aileth thee? He's like, what? What do you mean what aileth thee? He just took everything of mine. Of course I'm mad. I've got a reason. Yes, but the ch- children of Dan are like, why are you even coming after us? You should have been okay with the stealing all so. your stuff. Know, that's how grouped <laughs> up these guys were. And he said, The children of Dan said unto him, Let not thy voice be heard among us, lest angry fellows run upon thee, and thou lose thy life with the lives of thy household. And the children of Dan went their way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back unto his house. You know what happened to Micah here? is what happened happened to many people in churches all over this community. They went, just kind of doing their own thing, you know, sincere to a certain extent, but just misguided. And they ended up getting involved with one of these false prophets, getting involved with one of these people, just going after it for the money, telling people what they wanted to hear, positive only messages, and then as soon as things get tough, what do they do? They leave them high and dry. They always leave them high and dry. You know what? Nobody's going to be standing there. you think these priests are going to be standing there with them on judgment day and when they're standing before the great white throne of judgment? Their priests are going to be thrown a the leg of fire. Yeah. They are going to be left high and dry. And you know, it's sad. It is. It's a sad thing. But folks, we ought to have a huge problem. We ought to hate these false prophets. We ought to hate these people that are just leading souls by the droves to hell. We, we, I mean, that, that ought to be something that just disgusts us. And what happened to Micah is what's happening to many people all over this all over this community, all over this world. They hired and they hired a guy to tell them what they wanted to hear. And said, and these people are wrong for doing that too. People in this community, you know, they're wrong. They're making a mistake. But that's why we're there to tell people the truth. That's why we're there. We're trying to wake people up. That's why we. That's why we shout these truths from the house top. That's that's why I put these sermons out on the radio program. I'll open the people in this town here that you're being lied to. Not trying to be mean to you. I'm actually trying to love you. Unlike these preachers that are just leading you on a bobsled to hell. I'm trying to tell you the truth because some of them just have never heard the truth. Right. Somebody's I've never done it, and it is. I mean, doesn't it make sense. You know, we can't, we, we can all, I think we all should be able to identify. We know, you know, we know it's wrong to just get somebody that's going to tell you what you want to hear, but doesn't that naturally go with our flesh? Okay, it does. It's just, it does appeal to the flesh. And we do. We know as Christians we have to make an active, active effort to not walk in the flesh. You know, we know that it's a good thing when we get convicted by preaching, but they don't know that. Somebody's got to teach them that. And so, this guy, you know, he, they helped him build a great work. As far as man is concerned, a lot of people in this town, they've helped build great work. As far as man is concerned, they built the big buildings and the nice palaces, but then the guy eventually leaves them high and dry when another opportunity comes along, or even just some opposition. And there there are, I, I just talked to a lady Sterling the other day, she so said there's four churches right in that neighborhood that don't have a pastor. Big nice churches that obviously, I mean, thousands and thousands, maybe even millions in some of these places of dollars have been put into these ministries and then these preachers are just leaving them high and dry. Why? Greeter pastors somewhere else. You know? Big, you'll know, big, Bigger paycheck somewhere else. You know, this isn't maybe an exciting enough area for them. You know, or the church got mad at them for molesting the kids in the church. You know, and, they, you know, they, and the thing is, these are, some of these people are so desperate, they're not even throwing perverts out. That's how desperate they are. It get me. Some churches, even Baptist churches, are so desperate they have known adulterers pastoring their church. I'm talking about in Baptist churches. Many Baptist churches have known adulterers pastoring the church. Known pedophiles pastoring the church. I uh, what's that trash in church in Jacksonville? Mingo Baptist? an Mingo Baptist. The I mean. Knowing they hired Cambridge, you know. that's not desperate there. You know, it it's sad. And I'm not I, I'm not saying guys like Michael was completely innocent. He was not completely innocent, but I do believe if somebody would have loved them enough to tell the truth, he might have done better, he might have done the right thing. And I and I'm not saying that these people in these churches have no fault. They've got plenty of faults on their own, but I do believe if somebody would have corrected them, many of them would have gotten saved. Many of them would have gotten right. So, verse forty seven says, And they took the things which Mike had made, and the priests which he had, and came unto Laish, and unto a people that were quiet and secure, and they smote them with the edge of the sword, and burnt the city with fire, and there was no deliverer, because it was far from Zidon, and they had no business with any man, and it was in the valley that lies by Beth Rehob, and they built the city and dwelt therein, and they called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan their father, who was born unto Israel. Howbeit the name of the city was Laish at first. And the children of Israel, or the children of Dan, set up a graven image, and Jonathan the son of Gershon, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan, under the day of their captivity of the land, and they set up Micah's graven image, which he made at the time, at that time the house of God was in Shiloh. So notice how they just would do the same thing. They just, hey, we'll let our own sons be priests. We'll just pick whoever we want to be priests. Forget about biblical qualifications, you know, which then it was supposed to be from the tribe of, tribe of Levi. They forgot all about that. They just picked whoever they wanted. And so, when God's people, and so notice too, what Dan took, right, what Dan did was a copy of what a lost worldly man had come up with. You understand that? They took his God, his teraphim, his ephod, all those things. His method of ordination and selecting a priest, they borrowed everything from a lost man who was not even from Israel. And then they took that practice. And that is what we're seeing going on even in Baptist churches today with these queer little trendies that are pastoring churches who they are copying the model of churches that are started by the Rick Warrens and the Joel Ossey's and lost men. People who are not preaching the right gospel they are copying their methods. It's not that weird and unusual when Baptist churches today are canceling for the Super Bowl, because there's already a whole bunch of other religions already doing that. Really? We're going to borrow from lost people? You know, that's that's where we're going to get our methods from? We're going to get the look? We're going to get the decorations? We're going to get everything that the lost world has, where you can't even tell the difference? You can't tell the difference if it's a church stage or if it's a nightclub stage. You can't tell the difference. We're really going to borrow from that? But that's exactly what Dan ended up doing. And here's what's interesting, too, about about Dan. Now, I could be missing something on this. This is something I've looked into. I've not done an in-depth study on this. If somebody's got all the answers on this, I'd love to hear it. Because I, I, I don't understand this. But, did you know... The Bible does not pronounce any major judgment here on Dan, but notice what they did was very bad, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And you know, I can only find one mention of the tribe of Dan again after this event. Now, you know, if you search Dan, you're going to see all these from Dan to your sheep. That's just mentioning the name of the town. But when talking about the tribe of Dan, the only other mention I can find of it is in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 14, it says, The son of the woman of the daughters of Dan. And his father was a man of piety, skillful to work in gold. And but this was during Solomon's time. It mentions um, a woman, the son of a woman of the daughters of Dan. So they were still around; they still existed during Solomon's time. But that's the only mention of them. We don't—we just don't see God using them. We see nothing going on with these people. They're never even mentioned again as a tribe until Second Chronicles chapter two during Solomon's time. And you know what else? The tribe of Dan is not mentioned in Revelation 7 when talking about the 144,000. When it's going through there, it's talking about, it's naming all the tribes, and it mentions Joseph and Manasseh. But Ephraim and Dan are not mentioned. Now, and I'm not going to go into it, I've got some reasons why I think Ephraim was not mentioned. I I, I think I have some very good reasons for why Ephraim was not mentioned. But I have no idea why Dan was not mentioned. It's almost like God disowned them as a tribe. And I could be missing something. I would think if that happened, God would have said that somewhere. But, you know, we, we really don't see that in the scriptures. But I think there's a, a good reminder there that understand these churches that are going the way of the world. There are many saved people. These are ordained people that are compromising. But just mark it down, give it time. These places will cease to exist in God's eyes as churches. They will cease to be effective for anything good, for anything that's good to the cause of Christ. They will not matter. They might always be around, but I do not believe they will be recognized by God as a church. I do not believe there will, they will be, be saved people in these churches. And it's just a reminder, we don't want to go following the ways of the world when it comes to these things. But why is it that these queer little trendies want to follow the ways of the world? You know right? Because it's popular. It's what's actually bringing in the young people. It's what brings in the money in their mind. And so that, that's why they're doing these things. Tribe of Dan, But man, this worked for Micah. Why can't we do the same thing? But they, think they didn't realize what Micah was doing was wicked. What Micah was doing went against God's law. And the things that we're calling out these trendies for is against God's law. It's against what God said to do. And then they want to call us legalists for it. But I'm sorry. I just can't help but get over what God said in the Bible. It just, it seems really clear. And we don't ever want to get that way. We're just throwing the rules out. And doing all the things. So the moral of the story is that, one, we should never trust a man that can be bought. Never trust a man that can be bought. The Bible warned about those preachers who are motivated by filthy lucre. The Bible also warns us about preachers who tell us what we want to hear And we need preachers that are not for sale. And they could care less about being popular. What does it say in 2 Timothy 4.1? I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead in his appearing. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. You know why some churches are, aren't doing real good? It's just some things are out of season. You've got to be instant in season out of season. You're going to go... Through some low points you're going to go through some times where things just aren't really moving things aren't really going forward but you got to preach the word it's not a season but we got to preach it anyway it says for um, so the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lust why didn't Mike do the things that he did it was what he wanted you know what what did that what's that idol of his god look like whatever he wanted his God to look like? You know, what do these churches look like? Whatever they want them to look like. And it's, isn't it interesting how much they look like the bars? Isn't, isn't, it, isn't it interesting? To get, there's no bars. Okay, I know there's always an exception somewhere in the world, but I guarantee there isn't this. Anybody ever seen a bar that looked like a church? You ever went to a bar and it's like, am I in a church or a bar? There are plenty of churches that are looking like bars, looking like nightclubs. And so one of these days somebody might actually say that, but it's not going to be because the bar looked like a church. It's going to be because the bar looked just like the church that looked like a nightclub. That, 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 that's going to be why. You know, but we got to keep we got to keep doing it. And, it's, and it says and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. These preachers, man, they love telling their their little stories. You got that queer little Akeem Smith. He was sent out of Josh Tyson's church. Just I mean this guy is just as queer as a three dollar bill, the most effeminate dude I've ever seen in my life. You know, and you know you know what the name of this church is, only Storyline. That's the name of it. Storyline. Wasn't that wasn't that nice just to just be honest and let everybody know what you're gonna hear at this church? Fables uh, yeah. <laughs> Fables after their own lust. Yes. Right. And let me tell you something. I don't want to have anything to do with that dude's lust. Right. I mean, he is. He's one of the just freakiest, queerest things that I've ever seen. I, I saw a picture of him. It was a picture of Josh Tice grouping a bunch of their staff. He's holding hands with the dude in the picture. <laughs> his wife's like right there on the other side of him. Who cares about her? <laughs> he's holding hands with the dude. And why? What, what, what does this church look like? It's what he's created from the lust of his own minds. Because he's going to turn his people to fables and he's so honest about it he's calling his church storyline. But there's going to be a bunch of queer little millennials that are going to go to this church some of them sincere some of them well meaning but they've never had anybody who had the guts to get up and say this is wrong. This is wicked. You need to get out of this mess and you need to get into a real church. And if somebody would do that some of those people in that church would get right they'd get saved. But some would... Stick with the God that's in their own image. Their image that they have created. And so I, I show all this to just show, isn't it interesting how nothing's changed? Isn't it interesting how this history constantly repeats itself? What we see going on in the Old Testament, we see Paul talking about it in the New Testament, and we're experiencing it, experiencing it today. And I never even thought about that, dude. You turn the pages and, and just name your church storyline. It's almost like the devil just likes to just throw these things in our face sometimes. It's like, man, I've got you people so deceived. I mean, I can just, you know, stamp Satan on the name of the church, and you're still so not going to fall for it. That, that, that's just how dumb some people are, and just how desperate they want to just go along with the lust of their flesh. And you know, I I understand this kind of things is always going to be around, but you know what? God help us. When there's not somebody out there hollering about it, and but you know what, I holler about these people all the time. Then people want to rip me for. You know what? Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to be the bad guy, and I volunteer. There's 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 plenty of job openings for bad guys. There's like no job openings for the good guys. They're all over the place, and. I, I'd rather not do that. So anyway, I hope this will help you. I hope that helps you understand these passages right here. Stuff there. So let's right pray here, Lord. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you uh, for these stories that you've given us. I pray to learn from these things. Lord, it's just it's, it's mind-boggling just how in your face the devil is today and just how little people care. Dear God, I pray you'll help us to, even though we live in a world that doesn't, doesn't seem to really care what your word says at all, I pray that we'll just stand up, Lord, and we'll at least be ones that will be honest and let people know the truth so we can reach those who are sincere. There might be some people out there who, uh, they, they would. If somebody would just told them the truth, they could say And I pray you'll help us to get to them before these false prophets do. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead.